0: Welcome to No Church Answers, the weekly Christian podcast for men. We're not pastors, just regular guys looking to model positive Christian leadership in our work, families, church, and communities. Want to discover ways to apply scripture effectively in everyday life? Tired of the pat answers in Sunday school? Then settle in for a gritty, authentic, and unexpectedly funny Christian podcast. And now, No Church Answers.
1: And welcome to No Church Answers, a Christian roundtable discussion for men. This is podcast number 285. Hard to believe, and we're glad you're here. And where is here? Here is Sugar Land, Texas. So grab globe, spin it around, bang! Not sure where you ended up, but spin it around, find Texas. Southeast side of Texas is Houston. Southwest side of Houston is Sugarland, And that is where we are at You know, we're not pastors, we're just regular guys, and each of us are on our own spiritual journey, and like you, we're out meeting daily challenges. You know what, and that's why we're here. We're having a Christian discussion for men, and unlike others... We aren't taking any church answers, and we're glad that you joined us. You know, this podcast has been called deliberately provocative and unexpectedly funny, so we're so glad that you checked us out. And this podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're on Facebook, YouTube, and com. so... Please rate our podcast and leave a review. And, you know, it, of course, it would not be possible without your uh, support. So thanks so much. And at this time, I'm going to go ahead and jump right in and introduce the panel today. He is a former world-class policy writer, a current professional gambler. Also, the show producer is Mr. Steve
2: Ditch. Hello. Hey, Steve.
1: And he is a former prosecutor. He is an attorney, kind of the group historian. We call him the judge it's Michael Cropper. Hey, hey Mike. Hey Mike. And he is not here, but I'll go ahead and I'll introduce his chair. Uh he is a big deal in talent development, kind of uh, the group theologian. He has an excused absence and is in Scenic Tulsa. So, whoa. <laughs> he Va- he's
3: migrated. <laughs> That's
1: <school>. right. <laughs> Vacation spot of uh, uh, nobody, That's of yeah. absolutely nobody. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Bill Cox. I'm basically a salesman and the director. And uh, I'm just going to throw this one right out to uh, our producer,
2: Mr. Steve Titch. Oh, well, thanks. Uh, we're we're getting close to the end of the first letter of Peter, which we've been studying for several weeks, uh, and in this section. Uh, it, it kind of dovetails with a theme we often like to talk about, and that's, of course, being a leader. And in this case, being a leader in your church. And now I realize we go out to a number of uh, people who are in a number of different denominations, but there, these days there's always an opportunity uh, to take a a leadership role, or certainly at the very least, a service role in church, in your church, no matter what denomination. Um, uh, there's always there's always work for 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 the laity, uh, and well, that, that's what I want to talk about because here in this in this section, which we'll read in a little while, is is uh, some advice that Peter gives for those uh, for those who are part of the church and who those who basically he's he's inviting and urging his recipients to be leaders and and offer some advice as to how to be good leaders
1: excellent uh, michael cropper
2: uh yeah Bill. we we uh, steve has
3: introduced this lesson our first lesson or the first top that we're talking about where we're addressing to right now on this podcast and and uh and the first one is entitled uh dress for success And I wrote this long thing. I wanted to talk about uh, leaders and how successful they are. And and how do you, what do you, but I I changed my mind on the way over here. I'm thinking, what do I think of? (laughs) Not unusual, Uh, right? right? Not unusual. Uh, What what do you think of when I, well, I just look at you and say dress for success. You know me, I'm going to think of a lawyer, right? I'm going to think of those who wear suits, very nice suits, very appropriate ties, uh, nice shirts, and, and they they stand um, erect in a manner that shows confidence maybe arrogance too who knows but but the point is 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 what immediately comes to our mind when we when we say the phrase dress for success and uh, I, I I wrote a couple of things here down also what, what do you think of when you think of a police officer as he dressed for success if they're dressed in a nice uniform that's not wrinkled they uh then they're not bulging in it but anyway uh how about pastors you have you attend a church what do you think of or how do you think a pastor should dress if he's over a church is it a small church is large church do they dress like lawyers with ties a lot of our churches have gone casual in fact our church is much more casual now than it used to be right our pastor does not wear a tie uh, but anyway, and, and then you, we think of cowboys. Do they, can they dress for success also? Or how about army generals? Finally, the, the, the one that came to my mind that, that I, I thought was you, rather humorous mis- how, how does a, a circus clown dress for success? <laughs> <laughs> they have things in their minds mm-hmm. that they think That's a good are clue. appropriate. Right,
2: right, and, and, and
3: you, you're walking to say... You, you know, say, actually,
2: yeah. actually, I was wondering where you were going with that, but that's a good point because it goes to show that not always, you know, your pressed tailored suit is the right thing to wear yes. for your particular task or goal at hand. Yes, it, it depends on
3: your profession and how you mm-hmm. regard it. And um, and and you you look up to the individuals who are dressing a certain manner, so that that comes down to today's podcast, folks. Because Peter's going to tell us about how you should dress for success, but it's not physical, <laughs> right? And and I'll get into that. We'll get into that in just a little bit. Uh, and and of course, Bill will read our our text to us. But he dresses the elders and the overseers of the churches who will read his letter in First uh, Peter five. And he gives advice to them, uh, and it's very different from how we picture leaders mm-hmm. of the day, as I just said. Uh, war generals, mm-hmm. army officers, um, uh, lawyers, uh, people like that. So anyway, I'll, I'll stop there. Bill, let's go on with it.
1: And I'll go ahead and I'll read the scripture at this time. It's First uh, Peter 5, 1 through 6. Therefore, I urge elders among you as your fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and one who is also a fellow partaker of the glory that is to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God, and not with greed, but with eagerness." Nor yet as domineering over those assigned to your care, but by proving to be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfaded crown of glory. You younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders, and all of you, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another, because God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of god so that he may exalt you at the proper time got to admit mike that was awesome what you said about uh about uh dressing for success i was actually thinking of the opposite and and this just goes back to the military um Many times, and I can think of one time in particular, um, you have ranks on the arms if you're enlisted or on the shoulder pads if you're an officer in collar, um, uh, in the Navy in particular. Mm-hmm. There are officers that were pretty good pilots, but they were terrible leaders. And I can remember when we were in a bit of a crisis on the ground, it was amazing. The person who was dressed like a leader was the farthest thing from a leader.
2: I like where we're going because leadership shows up in unobvious places. Right. Uh, you yeah. know, they think it's, you know, it's yeah. a guy, you know, the, 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 the demographics or the stereotypes, you know, the, the tall guy is going to be the leader. The tall uh, guy, yeah, yeah, he must—he's going to be a leader. He's got good hair. He's got good hair. He's got, got good. Um, but but, remember, as we as we've been learning through through uh, through First Peter, um, what the culture values and what the culture sees and what the culture assumes isn't always what God assumes or what 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 even the truth might be, and therefore, uh, someone who might not necessarily think of themselves as a leader or or capable in the world might might have the, a a a role waiting for them at their church. And it isn't necessarily being chairman of a committee and and later on I'll talk about my why I don't do committees. Uh, but it, it could be it could be simply uh, applying a spiritual gift, mm-hmm. uh, and, and a literal avocation. Um, and that's that's the other part of, of this. There there's there's spiritual gifts that can come into play. Paul enumerates them, of course, uh, but they're they're kind of implied here. Uh, and uh, along with the idea of I, I think the that they, where he, where he talks about leaders to serve voluntarily and uh, not under compulsion. Um, to me, that's That's basically step up when you're ready to, but don't let anybody twist your arm. Um, And and maybe that was the one thing I had to learn as a younger person. And this is, as you get older and you get more involved in the church, you know the church is aware of this, but still the old idea, okay, Bill, you're doing great at your uh, man up. Uh, you man up, uh, ABF. You're doing great leadership there. Everybody's happy with you. Hey, you want to become a deacon? Uh, okay. Well, now that you're doing deacon, hey, do you want to be on the finance committee? <laughs> that's Steve. hey, that's Steve. <laughs> hey, he's telling us his life um, in the past. <laughs> <right>? Hey, <laughs> hey, do you want to do that too? Like, and 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 suddenly you feel you 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 want to do work by the Lord, but you also start asking. There are 7 other there are 700 other people in this church. <laughs> yes. Why am I the first person you think of when you're when you when you need something? So so part of this is an advice of don't don't do it out of guilt or do it out of that you ought to. Find something you love doing and apply it at your church. That would be my first thought in this. <laughs>
1: Well, I I, I, I I agree with the love aspect of it. And, and I'm looking right at Mike um, as I'm getting ready to, to go into this story. Mike and I, we were in a men's uh, class and the teacher came and told us he's very ill, he has to have an organ transplant and the class was going to end. And then the other guys, they were married or, or they were going to go somewhere else. You know, I, I always thought you know, uh, a couples class was basically a woman's class that men go to. You know, they don't say anything. You know, and uh, I've I've been to a couple and I don't want to go to them. I just I, I prefer a men's group, and that's could, why we have this. Could you be more blunt, this Bill? podcast? Well, here, yeah, yeah. Here, let me t- let me t- let me dull this knife a little bit, and uh, so Mike and I we were basically left, and we walked out of the class because it was happening like now. And I looked at him, I go, Hey Mike, uh, what are you going to do? And he goes, I don't know. I go, well, Hey man, uh, let's just, uh, we'll start a class. I got a coin. I had a quarter. I think I had a quarter to my name. I go, Hey dude, I'll tell you what you call it. Whoever, whoever wins, you'll be the leader. And I was getting ready to flip it. Mike goes, I'm not a member. <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, I've been oh, a I man. To, I didn't have to flip the coin. I,
1: I didn't have to flip the coin. So that's how I became uh, the man up uh, because it was important to me, and I loved it, you know. And but also though, John Kate, great guy. Look him up. He is a committed Christian. He is the president of, I think, the largest recovery addiction recovery Lifeway Recovery. In the state of Texas, I mean, just an awesome servant, and but he's different from me. He's a therapist, and I'm not. My therapy is get up, get going. <laughs> you know, let me before I put a boot in it, and uh, uh, but that's the difference, and that's what I wanted, and I didn't want just a Sunday school class that was giving people therapy. I wanted what I felt I got from the men's group. And that was when I was a kid. I'd get to sit around listen to my dad talk to the elders, the fellas. And that was a Christian leadership training that I got from them. And I just thought, well, this is my chance. Because to teach men how to be a Christian leader and not be a pansy just like my, none of my dad and none of his buddies were. And we were fairly successful. I mean, that was a 10-year run that the man-up class was. But after but COVID hit and just basically gave us a knockout blow. And then as we started to get back up, like my son said, Dad, times have changed. People don't want to be warriors like you They need therapy. They need compassion and stuff. I'm just not that guy to give it. So I think as much as it was vision to do it, it was also being able to have clear enough vision to know when it's done.
2: I'll give you a lot of credit, Bill, because this this podcast is is a direct – a direct outgrowth of the, that class. We're still doing it, except we're doing it now uh, Wednesday night and, and recording it. But you, your class, and, and I've been to a number of churches, your class was the first one in any church that I had discipleships groups or Sunday schools or however you want to call it, small groups, that was exclusively built for men and not just single men. Oh, um, right and and in that in itself the fact that we had at its peak 10 12 uh, guys in that class and and it was it I don't want I don't want to be mean to other churches but I think it, it swam upstream because the default is couples groups
1: oh absolutely um,
2: and, and it's usually the wife who picks the group and uh, maintains the social contacts of that so so when there's a tea or when there's a get together usually i know in our group it tends to be the women who make the arrangements and they go off but the guys we the guys don't do anything but show up and it can it can create a laziness i know you know oh we'll just i'll just tag along sit there listen nod my head pray uh it might get interesting you, you forced your leadership as, as, and you like to say it at the end of every podcast if there isn't a men's group, start one um, and, and it, it, I guess maybe I'll question it, definitely isn't the easiest thing to do and, but you built something there um, and again like you, you, you did not in true, in true Peter style you were very humble about it, you just did it you didn't. Well, you didn't make any bones about.
1: It. And well, one thing about one thing about it is though, and uh, one rule. The o- basically, the only rule I had is that uh, you come in and visit, okay, <laughs> on one Sunday, and the next Sunday you teach. And 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 the thing about it is, men love to be challenged. I mean, we go to school. We try to score the best we can. We train as athletes. Why? To beat the other guy. And then you do something awesome. You get that big commission check. You come to church among your friends. You want to brag. And your, your wife goes, oh, no, no, no. That's bragging. Don't say that. Are you kidding me? I got, I got a pelt here. I, I hunted this this thing, and I got it. You know, And that's men. That's accomplishment. And so many men our talk that you're going to be a leader and you're going to do this. And then when they punch their card at work, they work for 40 hours for somebody else and follow somebody's (laughs) rules. And they, they might train and hear that they're a leader, but they never get a chance to. And there's probably the most pride that I have of that class is we turned out 13 that I can name men that went into leadership positions in not necessarily this church but other churches as well and some of them had never led anything anything before and it really it really turned them on and 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 but that's the thing about men and i think so many churches just they gloss over. They they they're so into the family. They forget about the men. They want to take care of the kids and the wife. And if the man tags along, hey, awesome. If he doesn't, ah, well. well we've got I'll a
2: playground on. that needs to be built this weekend. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right, right, yeah. Hey, or, or else, you know, or or else, right. and not no, or else, you know, it's it's time to you know stay up with the smoking smoke smoke the meat for the barbecue.
1: <laughs> right. Hey, <laughs> okay. hey, and with that. Uh, We're not going to smoke the meat, but we're going to go ahead and we're going to take our first break. This is No Church Answers. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Bill Cox, director of MANA Spiritual Oasis for Men. We hope you enjoy our show as much as we enjoy doing it. But our ministry needs your support if we are to continue to bring our TV show, our podcast, our live shows to men seeking spiritual refreshment. For as little as $5 a month, you can become a patron of Man Up Spiritual Oasis. Get more details at our page on patreon.com. If you would like to support us directly, you can make a contribution through PayPal at donate at manupmedia.org. All contributions are tax deductible. We're not pastors, just regular guys. So whether you're successful or struggling, We hope to bring you the good news of God's saving grace as we share our own spiritual journeys. Please consider supporting Man Up and No Church Answers today. And welcome back. This is No Church Answers. We're talking about uh, uh, Christian leadership, talking about uh, Sunday school leadership, and How Michael Cropper welched out of uh, being a leader. (laughs) Mike. I'm
0: proud of it. I'm I'm
3: proud of it. Mike, Uh, the weasel. (laughs) I'm going to go a little bit different route, folks. I want to share with you a little bit. Both Bill and Steve have shared with you how God leads you into certain positions, and if he doesn't lead you in it, he drops you in it. And, in fact, (laughs) Bill was dropped right in the position that uh, led this class, and it couldn't have been more appropriate person than him at that time because Bill's very outspoken. He's uh, he's very, very oh gosh, I don't want to say compassionate, but but he's he's an encourager, and that's what the class needed at that time. John Kate's wonderful, fantastic guy, but he's a little bit more quiet. Bill comes in and he explodes in the room, it's, it's just great, <laughs> yeah. and it's the same thing here, Steve. Uh, is also very outspoken, very good. They're both extreme, outspoken leaders. I am not. I'm a quiet person. I had to learn it. It's not in my character to be loud or to be a, 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 abrasive. <laughs> not that I'm abrasive. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Y'all aren't abrasive.
1: <laughs> I'm just kidding. You uh, can never corner Mike. He qualifies every, every <laughs> answer. I mean, every I mean, answer I mean, he gives, an you can't qualify. Right. That's right. I do. right. I
3: do. Anyway. But I shared with you folks that I love playing music.
2: Yeah, well, that's and, what we that, want to hear about. That, that's what I thought. Music
3: ministry. Yes, yes. Um, I played uh, an all-city band, all-city orchestra in middle school, high, which would be junior high back then. I played trumpet. And then I played uh, into the, into the marching band in high school. And at that time, I started playing guitar and also bass because a lot of rock groups at that time. I wanted to be big time. I wanted to be – this was actually my – My hope, to be in the Beach Boys, and and, and because I love their harmony. Not that they were a fantastic musical group, but they were a tremendous singing group. And I loved to sing with the radio, and I could sing the parts on a lot of songs. All three parts, the normal parts, and high parts, low parts, whatever. Anyway, um, when I accepted Christ, I felt very strongly that I should stop playing. I was playing downtown in Houston. Uh, on the base and uh in the cellar and and whenever i accepted christ uh like the lord said stop right now i mean just clearly stop but he had something else for me and he placed a desire for me to pursue college and at that time so i i went ahead went into college and i was uh, i attended church in heights which is where i decided i gave my life to the lord and i was living with my parents uh I changed the guitar. Then I went ahead. I, I could play the guitar also, and I, I started playing with the youth group. And I started leading the youth group, and we formed a singing group in the youth group. At that time, large and at that time, large groups of people, young people, were meeting at different churches around the city. And that, folks, this is 1972, 73, so it's quite a ways back. You're going to have to be at least probably 60 to remember those times. But anyway, we would meet at various churches every month. And members of the young people led to the singing, worship, and preaching. Southern gospel was music many Christians listened to. I, I was a disc jockey on KFMK, which was a gospel station at that time as well. And gospel quartets were extremely, extremely popular in Christian radio, and they did a lot of Christian concerts, both in churches and in in stadiums. So the gospel groups toured on big buses and gave concerts at many local churches. Well, I would I was I went to rehearsal with a. Four men to form a gospel quartet uh, while I was in college. And I met Danny Morell, who was an ins- aspiring lead singer of the uh, group. Uh, and he wanted, he was attending college at that time at the University um, in Waxahaxie, Texas, a Christian college. And I was going to University of Houston. And uh, the college he was attending trained men to preach, and he also had an exceptional music department. So one of the monthly youth meetings that we had around the city, and by the way, we're talking 500 people, 300 500 young people go to these meetings. Anyway, one of the youthly meet, youth meetings, uh, monthly meetings, hosted this, this singing group from Waxahachie, and an, expire, and an aspiring preacher from Waxahachie was to preach. Well, Danny was the lead singer of the singing group, so I made it a point to go to that particular meeting. And the singing group was fantastic. And guys and folks, if you're listening... I don't know if you've sensed the presence of the holy spirit or not but sometimes more than others i mean you can almost sense he's beside you anyway this group was fantastic they sang and the holy spirit moved in a very powerful way and uh, the preaching was came came to the end and uh i said you know what the preacher is going to preach There's no way he can compete with music. They were that good, and the Holy Spirit was that present with the group. And boy, was I wrong. The young man who spoke was a student, probably a graduate student, and he stood up and said these words. He says, you know, worship and music are great, but it's time to hear the Word of God. And I never thought twice about that, but I listened to him, and he delivered one of the most powerful messages I've ever heard in my life. And at that time, I learned a very profound truth, and you see this all through the Bible. Delivering the Word of God is the most important assignment we can pursue, and also receiving the Word of God is the most important holy experience we can have. Uh, So that stayed in my mind. The Word of God, worship is great, but what do we do after worship with music? The preacher preaches and delivers the Word of God. So that stayed in my mind, and my focus then changed from music to studying the Bible. And by the way, that which will explain a lot to you, I have more about that, that later. But the point is, I realized through my life that studying the Word of God was very important to me. And that's why when I met the guys in the podcast, the guys in Bill's class, all of us liked to study the Bible. Bill made it a point for them to study the Bible because he asked them to teach the lesson. Brand new guys would come to the class. He says, "Would you teach the lesson?" Well, they better read the lesson and they better <laughs> look at the scripture right. <laughs> or It'll help. It would help. Yeah, right? and that's why the class grew on me, and that's when that's what stayed in my heart and got me to the podcast, like Steve and uh, and Bill, and of course Robert. Anyway, I,
2: I, I think I think. The the music part of it is very important because everything, I mean, you may not be the one delivering the word, but the, you're doing you things to support it. You're doing you, the music is selected to create an emotional effect to 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 get the spirit literally ready to receive the word. I uh, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. agree, and to respond to the words. Yeah. And so, so I think I think that's important. I think that's really kind of the understanding of this is that it's it's all service. In in it's all it's all service to to deliver the world to to deliver the gospel uh, one way or another. Now I I, I had because I kind of want to segue because I've had some interesting experiences along the way. I really like what I'm doing here. Um, I really found a certain av- avocation in in teaching because like you, I really like to read the Bible. I like to study it. I like to I like I like the history part of it. Um, and I like sharing that. So, so part of part of doing a lesson is learning about it and then being able to share it with, with others. And and uh, and I've had some very good examples of people who've done that. Uh, and I've learned from that. I've I've also learned to learned about not n- what not to get involved in. Um, and and that's what I kind of made that off <laughs> off offhand uh, reference to being a deacon. I'll, I'll, I'll I got I. I my, my story of getting here is much like yours. I fell in with, I, I did some Christian education at a, a previous church, and yeah, that, that's when things got to be a bit of a snowball, and suddenly I found myself being asked to do everything. But th- why I won't be a deacon? Well, <laughs> I, 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 well, there are things, there, I, I, since I, since during my professional career, I did a lot of management. And you know, was it was at, at some you know point an editorial director where I was running an editorial staff, um, and there were a lot of meetings with that, and there are a lot of you know your, your your responsibility to make sure everything stays on point. Uh, I'm not going to go do that same thing um, as part of. The, I keep going back to the word to a vocation. Um, in fact, I like the idea of being a servant. Uh, so send me out on the food drive where I just have to load gallons of milk into cars or fill things and get it in. Just just put me at the low end, and I'll do it. Uh, and, and I find a great deal of happiness with that and a great deal of, of fulfillment with that. Where and and that's when that's why initially deaconing. Appealed because uh, someone approached me. This was not here at Sugarland Baptist. This was in a Presbyterian church, which is already the danger signs. I know Presbyterians are out there going, right, right, um, yeah. and you didn't <laughs> like committee meetings and all this like is that. Her- um, so, so here comes <laughs> but, here they they come. You want to be a deacon, and 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 it is a service like much like this. it's it's a service role where you where you do deliver food. You, you look in on people you, you take care of the coffee service there, there are a lot of things to do basically as I said supporting the whole church um, so I get I get ordained you know laying on hands all of that um, but the the first the things that began to to really make the bad impression is that this was a fairly big Presbyterian Church I don't think they understood the idea of subcommittees and they were to be fair, now, I was in my 30s at the time, probably my early 30s. All oh, There were younger kids there, I would say in the 20s and 30s. All I remember was one day having a meeting that began about 6.30. Uh, and it was these meetings were supposed to go like 6.30 to 8. And we had a deaconate, that's what you call it, of some 50 people diaconate we diaconate okay there it is thank you thank you uh, uh, diaconate yeah, yeah. um we were in this huge room in the church but like the fellowship thing the chairs were around the circumference mm-hmm. of this huge the perimeter of this huge room and even then we were all packed in so imagine and we're trying to conduct business it's it's like the Galactic Senate in Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no one's no, there are no subcommittees. We're all you know, who's going to do the coffee? Who's going to do this? Who's going to? And that meeting went on till twelve fifteen in the morning, and nothing got accomplished. So this was about you know, this is my early impression of being a deacon. A lot of meetings, and it seemed that they'd have these every two weeks. And and we weren't getting, you know, we weren't getting, when does the service begin? (laughs) Okay. And then, and then, and again, this is, this is when, so, so that's what put me off because I was doing more, spending more time in meetings (laughs) and and then I was doing hands on work. But then, and then I'll give you a, then I'll give you some difficulty things and maybe you can say what you'd done. Now, we, we had a fairly standard role for the diaconate. Um, yes, there were, were visitations involved. You know, you'd come, but they were the kind of idea you'd bring, you'd, like, like, for instance, would come to Beverly, would bring some food, have a cup of coffee or something, right. visit, just to, just to make a connection there. Um, someone way above my pay grade at the church had the idea that deacons should be doing more than that. Deacons should be assigned someone who dealt with abuse or was recovering from alcoholism. And it kind of was a thing like, empathize, sympathize, advise. And to be... Again, we're all... You know, the, the compulsion part enters this. We're all pretty young, so nobody at this point... This is where at this point I'm getting to the point where I can say no to something. There was some restlessness about this. Because we... We were never trained. I never got any sort of even basic deaconate training. Um, uh, it was just you know you're going to just get assigned some jobs to do, which is fine. But now we're we're being asked to do to do counseling, mm-hmm. and there was you know one of these again. They sit, that was spent a lot of time in that room, and and that's when I backed off. I said I can't do this. I cannot sit with someone who has and and you know. There's a difference between sitting and talking about, you know, how are you doing, you know, how are the Cubs doing, uh, you know, just visiting and sitting and talking about a, 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 a woman talking about her estrangement with her children and how that makes her feel. And I don't think it lasted very long because about a year later, they put in the correct ministry for that, and that is a Stephen ministry right? Uh, where there is some 30 or 40 hours of training that's done, and and but but that was a problem. But that's when I learned to say no, because up to then I was having problems saying, uh, you know, oh okay. But you know, then you begin to realize why are they coming to you all the time? You, there are more people. But and, and, you know, you kind of feel then they, you know they call. Oh, it's a combo. because Steve, you get things done. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. yeah I mean, and, and and well, yeah, but I take things because I you, you've asked me to finish. You've asked me to do it. Um, so that's the other thing to be able to build a boundary around that, and 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 that's a learned thing that I did not learn until my later thirties. But you can really, and and and, and since I've been involved, I, I've I've heard pastors since then talk about this, and they've talked about it and saying, you know, you really, if if this if you're if you if you're looking for somebody and it's the person you've already asked two or three times in the past few months, go down the list. <laughs> And so conversely, set some boundaries to um, do what you want to do, do what do volunteer, volunteer and do what you've committed to do. But don't feel that, you know, just like everything else, don't make, don't make an idol out of service. <laughs> yes, yeah. Bring the spirit of service.
1: Uh in life, uh, I really believe in the Peter Principle. You get promoted until you're proven incompetent. One thing about great, uh, one thing great about church service. If you get fired from a job in church, and I have been, uh, you will not lose income because I volunteered anyway. And I loved being a deacon. I was a deacon. My wife's been one for many years. Uh, What I love about it is the fact that they, in this particular church, uh, you get the whole calendar for the next year ahead of time. So you know what's going to be happening and you know what missions, things, what things uh, the church is putting on that's important. And I was on the care and benevolence team, which basically we did handle the homeless uh, mission and we were in charge of the loaves and fishes. And I love just delivering food and hanging out with the homeless people, man, because I just kind of fit in. Yeah, I'm, which homeless guy has this truck? Uh, it's mine. Hey, you know, I just kind of fit in. And I really liked it. But one other part of care and benevolence is uh, giving benevolent money to people that need money. Unfortunately, I don't really have a whole lot of value on money. Uh, I, I've never really had a whole lot. I never really expect to have a whole lot. So if anybody... Like my dad always said, I will basically give money to everybody, and if they're scamming, it, it's between them and God. It's not me. And uh, I was pretty much the benevolent Santa Claus <laughs> until until they took took me off that committee. I, I am
2: laughing. You, in <laughs> other words, you you had the most Christian approach. I, to the value of money, and you were the last person a church wanted, wanted to disperse. I, you. I know.
1: I, I rubber stamped. I rubber stamped everything, and Beverly goes, "Bill, you're not even looking at it." Well, no, I'm not.
3: This is interesting because I, I don't we,
2: know if you guys we can't did. have you giving away money really, really. <laughs> if you ask, you What got. kind of what kind of Christian church do you think we <laughs> are? Yeah, yeah. We
3: we I, I get a tremendous amount of requests for money every week. I don't know if you guys do. And it comes from <laughs> from giving money way back when, twenty or thirty years ago, and then they sell your name to other yeah, lists mm-hmm. or other organizations. And and you have uh, any fr- anywhere from Houston Humane Society to um, oh no to I like Mercy to Sheer. I like
1: to give it personally <clears throat> <Yeah. clears throat> that that is the thing about me well,
3: well, I was going to say I couldn't afford all of them right I right I can't do give that any of them yeah. right <laughs> I
2: didn't know which that one I said, well, kind of thing why that's why different it if it's yeah.
1: personal if it's something I use someplace I recognize or if that person is at my window then i i will absolutely a
3: fat person or if a a person a, a a person, a, a person, pa- person. Pan,
1: like that like the pan like the panhandler you you yeah, know what i'm yeah, saying yeah. if they're at the one i because i want to give it directly to them i mean because it kills me like those hey this is a great charity 92 percent 92 percent goes to the yes it goes to the people well that's awesome well dude actually that's awesome but this homeless person right here that dollar is going to be a dollar to him 100 (laughs) percent. and with that we're going to go ahead and take our second break this is nurture chancers we'll be
0: right back hey pastors and church leaders And
1: uh, we're back. This is No Church Answers. My name is Bill Cox, and yes, I'm the one with no money and no value on money. So, uh, with that, <laughs> what we're talking about, and we're talking about is church leadership, and that has really been something for me my whole life. That I absolutely respect the lay leadership, and I've had wonderful lay leaders in my life that were wonderful examples in church. And and I just kind of fear that this particular generation and I've talked with my son who's I guess gen what Gen Z if you're in the late 90s and and they just don't have the respect for what the previous generation has gone through because they have so many tools at their disposal to prove how stupid we actually are now. But they don't understand. We created the generations of those tools to get there for them to use it. So that, I mean, that's just kind of the thing. When I saw this, saw this podcast come up from Steve Titch, I thought, it's awesome because I love leadership, but it's it, in a way it's just a shame because I just see the importance of it just being pushed to the side.
2: I, I, I hope you're wrong. I mean, I, I, you've got in you certainly, I, I only have my own son to compare to, and he certainly if he's kind of like me in that if you if you prove your leadership worthy, I will
1: follow. follow,
2: and I will listen. Uh, maybe, maybe we should look at ourselves because so many of our you just have, sometimes have, have dropped the ball, and maybe that's why we're we're we we can we we can remedy that because everybody can be, you know, it it, it yeah.
1: Well, there's no shame nowadays. Now there's mm-hmm. no shame because there's no difference between being famous and notorious the mere fact that you're filling up copy you, uh, you you've achieved your goal you know people are thinking about you whether they're thinking good or bad it really doesn't matter they're they're thinking about you and we've created a culture where there there is just no embarrassment and the the kids nowadays they see it and because of that they basically don't have a whole lot of respect for us because of it. That's kind of how I see.
3: I'd like to address the uh, address text uh, for just a couple minutes before we end. Um, uh, before nice. we... <laughs> you, mean,
2: you mean the text that drove all
3: <laughs> Before we do that, I want to make, uh, make something, one mm-hmm. thing real clear, and Steve uh, uh, aptly pointed mm-hmm. this out, and I'm glad he did. Folks, I, I didn't mean to lead or lead you to believe that uh, music was not important. Music is fantastic. In I, I never got that. I love music. Okay, good. Because uh, we were being humble. the Lord dealt with me that way and, and and what happened was whenever I got accepted to law school when he told me to go to law school I learned that the more the better you studied, the more you knew your text, the better grades you made. And then when I came out and became a lawyer and became a prosecutor the more I studied and the more I knew my material, the better I was, uh, the more successful I was at that. And that's how I applied it to studying the Bible with the guys here. Um, that that the, the more we look at it, the more we study it, each of us has a different view, we learn from each other. It's, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. If you listen to our podcasts, I believe you'll see that. Anyway, now let me touch on the text real quick. And uh, Peter tells us. He says, clothe yourself with humility. In other words, if you could put on humility instead of clothes, folks, this is what Peter tells us to do, and this is what our text tells us to do. Um, I have some, again, I'm an attorney, and and, and I'm going to tell you, who I don't want to be like, and that's simply the guy, Jim, Jim Adler, who stands on top of the trucks all the time with a sledgehammer and threatens to beat everybody's brains out if they don't give him the amount of money he wants. That's, that may be your image of an attorney. I hope not. But anyway, I, the, the attorney, image of attorneys to me are Rusty Hardin, Joe Jamail, um, John O'Quinn, who are billionaires, because I've met them and they're very humble in their presentation to you. They only have to be dynamic and mean when they get in trial. (laughs) And I don't know if means is the appropriate word. Let's just say wise in how they present their their case. And that's where I I got uh, my desire was to to be humble. But if you challenge me, let's go to trial, and we'll see who knows their stuff and who reads up on law and keeps up with. And I apply that in my studies in, in church as well. So... To me, there is a place to be humble. And, and one of the, um, I, I looked on the internet and, it, and, and I typed in leadership in the church to see what I would come up with. And I came up with a couple, couple good paragraphs, which is what we've sort of talked about here. When you think of the best people to fill a church role or a leadership position, you don't consider the faint-hearted. Bill is not the faint-hearted, I can tell you that. Steve is not the faint-hearted. A church leader needs to be a godly leader, a role model, and a guidance giver, not only for the church members, but for everyone else in the community as well. The community looks at you folks. They know when you go to church. They know if you go to church, even if you never speak to them. They learn it because it's gossip, and gossip gets around the neighborhood. Anyway, a good leader will mentor and encourage people, uh, furthering their faith and ensuring that they have a positive church experience. And helping to make your church a warm and welcoming community is an important responsibility of church leaders as well. Church leadership's roles and responsibilities can't be fully understood without a clear understanding of the unique qualities of each role. Having good church leadership will also help retain members and keep the church from struggling. I'll stop there. The main thing I want to point out is, is folks, there is a time to be humble when you serve the Lord. There's a time... To, to say uh, I'm 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 glad to be here. I'm glad the Lord died for my sins. Uh, how can I help you? And then there's a time to step up and take leadership roles. Steve is taking. Steve is a teacher also in a class. Bill took the leadership role when it came up. I hid behind him, and I was
1: <laughs> <proud>. weasel weasel. <laughs> <laughs>
3: but uh, uh, the the. Now I, I'm a backup teacher to our new men's class, <laughs> in which Bill is a part of, and Jim Duncan is our, our illustrious leader, and it is, a, it is a very good class, and Bill gets to rest, and we get to comment, and we, uh, we get to talk just like we're talking now. We discuss the Word of God, and we share our experiences, how it makes us grow.
1: All right, and with that, we're going to go ahead and uh, get some final takeaways on Christian leadership. And um, I kind of wish that uh, Professor Koshu was uh, here for this one because he'd talk all about how to train a leader. (laughs) Whereas me, I'm I'm a little more, uh, I don't want to say off the cuff, but I believe that men are instinctively aware of leadership and whether they need to be one or they need to be led by one. And like uh, I've said before, I'd rather have a battalion of sheep led by a lion than a battalion of lions led by a sheep. And what I mean by that is in this particular text is this, you don't have to be perfect. Perfect. All you have to do is be willing. Mm. And with that, we're going to go around the room one more time, get takeaways from the fellas and uh, Michael
3: Grapper. You can go to me.
1: <laughs> Steve was right. ready to go. that was a no-look pass there. Oh,
3: You pointed at me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, uh, uh, folks, one thing real, real, that we, we did mention. Uh, we do have different characters. And, folks, uh, Bill and Steve outgoing. Robert is outgoing. I don't have the outgoing character they have. But God has places for me to work in the church and be in the church, and in my particular case, it's it's uh, being a backup teacher for our present men's class here at Sugarland Baptist. Now, uh, I want to end with this uh, closing, folks. Why do I serve Jesus? Well, He showed me that life is real. He showed me that He is real. He came into my heart. He sent people to teach me love. He changed my understanding of joy and happiness from drinking alcohol doing drugs which I may have done I didn't get into it before I accepted him I was 20 years old when I accepted Christ but I was headed that direction and now it's much more joyful to give others and help others than help myself in other words it's, it's more blessed to give than to receive and I've learned that he also sent people to me to teach me that there is a purpose to live and that's as I just stated, other than myself. So real quick, I want to uh, share something that uh, the, the author of our particular book stated. He says, why are we motivated to serve Jesus? Because he set the example for us. He laid aside his robe to wash the disciples' feet, even though he was the son of God. And we serve because of Jesus' love for us. He loved us when we had nothing to give him. He demonstrated his love for us by dying in our place, forgiving our sins, filling us with his Holy Spirit, and reuniting us in an eternal love relationship
2: with God.
1: Excellent. Uh, Steve Titch?
2: There's, there's something there for everyone. Uh, and I'm glad you you stated it so eloquently, Mike. You don't, we, we've been talking a lot about Sunday school teaching, because that's what we do here. Um uh, but there's there's something for everyone to do, and the other and Robert talks a lot about uh, uh, being the being the pit master at uh, the annual church uh, barbecue, which right. is hard work. And and yeah, and, and I him, you know and, and he's kind of you know he's he's one of several guys there, but they're out there literally all night long. They're they're seasoning the stuff and they're putting pounds of brisket out there uh and you know making sure things go well and i'm sure they have a great time doing it but it's it's quite fulfilling when you know to see people come and and eat the food you prepared uh and and again that's not it's not rocket science you don't have to feel you need a theology degree to be doing it and we don't have any theology because we're not pastors we're regular guys that's our that's our tag uh and but you know you've been around you've been around this for for decades and and you've been reading the Bible and you you, you do learn and you do want to share that, uh, but there's there's something in there and chances are if you're going to church every week or every other week and you kind of sometimes feel yourself you know you see the choir and you think to yourself gee that looks like fun or you see you see what deacons are doing and yeah you know you say to yourself i could do that that's probably the spirit talking to you and urging you so so don't don't be afraid and it is i'm glad you put it mike you find it very very fulfilling
1: there comes a time in your life if pretty good chance you go to church And you're a man of faith if you're listening to this podcast, and certainly if you got this far to the end. There'll be a time when you're sitting in the congregation realizing that you're consuming this. And you've consumed it for a while. And now it's your turn to make the meal And help someone else consume it. And that is when you're really on the team. And with that, this is No Church Answers. Thank you so much for tuning in. On behalf of our producer, Mr. Steve Titch, Michael Cropper... Robert Koshu, who's not here but has an excused absence. My name is Bill Cox. Our podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Please rate it and leave a review. And if you have any questions or comments, you can go to our Facebook page or NoChurchAnswers.com and post it there. If you're unable to attend a church, check out Cheerland Baptist Church streaming service. It's on Facebook, YouTube, YouTube and sugarlandbaptist.org. It starts Sunday at 9.45 a.m. And when you are ready, we encourage each and every one of you to join a local Bible-based church, Why Local? So you'll go and participate and find a small group, ABF, Adult Bible Fellowship, or Sunday School class that you can join for small group discussions like this. And find one that is men only. And if there is isn't one, start one.
0: This is No Church Answers. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to No Church Answers, the weekly Christian podcast for men. Tell us what you think. Leave a comment or review. Want to know more about us? Then visit NoChurchAnswers.com and our Facebook page. Check out our video series on our YouTube channel. You can also become a patron of No Church Answers by visiting our Patreon page. No Church Answers is a production of Man Up Spiritual Oasis Media, which is solely responsible for its content.